Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today I have a special guest, Eva Reverse Bulimia, as you know her on Instagram. She was actually a guest on my podcast a while ago and I brought her back because I got so many mothers that reached out to me thanking me for the episode. Eva and I, in our last episode, we touched on what it was like for her to struggle with bulimia for 20 years and also be a mom. And we didn't talk about it in depth because we had so many other topics to talk about, but to the feedback I got, the feedback that she got, I wanted to bring her back on because as much as I love my little dog, I am a dog, proud dog mom, right? I'm not a mother. And the funny thing is, is that I coach a lot of moms, like half of my clients have kids and we talk, we have a lot of conversations about it. So I learn a lot about what it's like to be a mother. And I see how much guilt moms have of going through bulimia and how much when sometimes when clients come to me, how much of a motivator uh, their kids are for their recovery. So it clearly impacts bulimia so much. I know a lot of mothers struggles, struggle with guilt, stress uh, that induces uh, bulimia episodes, things like that. But I thought Eva could bring to light her story. And she talks about the shame mothers feel, how you don't have to wait to have kids till after you're recovered. And likewise, you can be a good mom, even if you're struggling with bulimia. And we talk about how she approached the subject with her kids and what it was like when they were younger versus older. She just gives a broad spectrum of advice. So yeah, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Uh, it's really, really a good quality episode. I enjoyed talking with her per usual. And as always, if you like this episode and you enjoyed it and you found it useful, please go ahead and give it a rating. It helps the podcast get seen. It helps uh, me, obviously, and it helps someone out there who's looking for bulimia advice. They're feeling very lost and they don't know what to do. It helps this podcast get in front of them more. So please go ahead and do that. If you haven't already, I truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Okay. Other than that, enjoy the episode. I'll talk to you guys in there. Bye. And I was going to ask you questions like, what's it like having bulimia, being a mom? And then, you know, what was, what was that experience like with you and common struggles? And then I was going to ask you questions like, how did you address bulimia with your children? How did you deal with your um, possible feelings of guilt? Things like that, if you had any at all. And then um, how uh, were you an example? How could you still be an example with your kids and struggling in recovery? And then how do you address food and bulimia with your kids now? So those are kind of the questions I wanted to go through. Yeah, that sounds really good. And that's something I'm, you know, I'm working on. And I believe so many women ask me about that. So that could be really helpful because women shame themselves after they have kids or, Mm -hmm. and they believe they also some, some, we'll talk about this. Some of them believe they cannot have kids until like they solve the bulimia problem. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. Like, <laughs> let's let's just start there since we're already recording. Tell me why is that not true? Um, it's not true because uh, first of all, um, you never know. Okay, first of all, life happens, and sometimes you get pregnant, and you don't expect to get pregnant. So, <laughs> what that happens? <laughs> no. <laughs> but apart from that, 
uh, you cannot wait until you believe you're kind of perfectly recovered to make your life happen. And this is like um, true for anything in your life, whether it's career, whether it's children, whether it's like um, going on a trip, on a vacation, whatever. It's like I deserve or I can only do that if I make recovery happen, because as long as I'm not having recovery, I'm not recovered. I'm not a good enough human to deserve this or that. Right. Mm-hmm. For the motherhood part, it's even more guilty because most of the women I talk to uh, tell me I feel already so bad about myself. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have kids and feel even better and guilt myself more. And I don't want them to suffer from a mom who's going to be, uh, you know, um, to have bulimia. Mm. And so harsh to think about themselves that way. Yeah. And actually, exactly. And what you're saying is so important. The problem is not to have bulimia. Of course, it's, you know, you can have like some health trouble having bulimia, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a problem. The problem is how they talk to themselves and how they're dealing with their lives and like how everything is going. It's not, bulimia is, is not like, a life or death sentence on a daily basis. Of course, like if you don't address it and it's getting very severe, you can have health problem. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's nothing is stopping you from having kids because you're having bulimia. You can have bulimia and have kids and address bulimia at the same time or even after having kids. I mean, there's no, you know, um, notion of what's to be done before. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. I, and I didn't even expect this. I'm glad that you just said that because so I've heard that so many times. I talked to a lot of people who are like, I want to have kids, so I need to recover. But then I also talked to moms who have had kids and who their kids are full grown and they're perfectly fine. And they struggle with bulimia the whole time. And what you're saying is it's not that bulimia isn't a problem. It's not that bulimia isn't an issue you should try to solve, but you can be a perfectly good mom and struggle with bulimia. It's, mm-hmm. and, and to expect, you know, I'm just a dog mom, so whatever, but I'm, I'm sometimes a bad dog mom. Like I sometimes don't take my dog on a walk. I feel guilty, but my dog isn't going to die because of that. He's just going to be sad. All moms, whether you're bulimic or not, do something to their kids that isn't helpful. And then they also do things that are great for their kids. And when you kind of drop the perfectionist mindset on it, you can probably be an even better mother because of it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And um, also, uh, absolutely. And also when you're a mom uh, or even I would say uh, a human, You you never know how people are going to feel or react because of what you're doing or what you've done. Okay, some things are true. When you're having like when you're having eating disorders and especially bulimia, they're like the rates of miscarriage is a little higher when you're having bulimia because probably you have less iron. You should check potassium. That's why you should always you know. Um, monitor yourself with a doctor and see what's going on and you know where you're at and not do it on your own so it's very important that ha- as soon as you 
you know you're pregnant, you go and tell the doctor, listen, I'm, you know, I'm, I have bulimia. I'm throwing mm-hmm. up like many times a week or, you know, how, whatever often, you know, you're doing it. And that's what's going on. So, and without even changing anything, because it's not as though uh, we could decide on demand to stop because either we're pregnant or we want or whatever. But there are some of the things, some of the parameters we can kind of control or prevent from, you know, um, getting worse. Uh, Potassium, you can take supplements. Iron is the same. They could check some of the things. And and then you could just do life and get pregnant and have your baby. I've just had a client who has uh, had a, a baby boy recently, Aww. and yeah, that was so lovely. So um, she's doing okay, right? Now it's mm-hmm. tough for her, and she's still pushing. She's not recovered. Um, I mean, she's still like pushing away the recovery and be like. Um, okay, you know, first I'm going to take it. So first of all, she was like, I'm not having a baby until I get recovered. And then she's like, okay, now that I'm having a baby, I'll take care of the baby before I take care of myself. And it's, Mm. there's always something in the way. And it's I think that's an interesting thing people go through with recovery of like, it's either I can't do anything till I'm recovered Mm. or I have to do everything before I can become recovered. And it's, you see both different mindsets and it's like, actually, you could probably do them in tandem. And sometimes doing the other things outside of recovery, help your recovery. And sometimes folks in the recovery actually help the other things. But I think it's a, it's a funny, like, I don't want to, I will say this very heavily or lightly. Um, it becomes almost an excuse, right? But not actually. It's like this belief we have in our head that's a faulty belief of we can't do it till recovery or we can't recover till X. And that's never actually the case. You can be a mom first and then recover, but at some point you just have to pick and choose your priorities. Yeah, yeah. And probably something that could help people to have clarity, um, of course, for them, bulimia is like an obsession and, you know, it's time consuming and, but, I would like to offer them to think about the problem in a different like way. And I would like to offer these women to ask themselves, what if I like all of a sudden I didn't have bulimia anymore? Would I like to be a mom right now? Who would I be? What would mm-hmm. I like, you know, about motherhood? Am I ready right now? Because in this false questioning, like, oh no, now I'm bulimic or I have bulimia. I cannot have a baby right now. Maybe later, maybe. Sometimes they're, as you say, they're using it as a pretext. And I'm not judging anyone, but I'm like, okay, do whatever is possible for you with recovery, but don't hide yourself behind recovery and ask mm-hmm. yourself the real questions. You could work on both. It's not easy to be a mom, right? It's not like what you see, you know, on the pictures, on Instagram and on social media. I mean, it's lovely. Mm -hmm. I have kids. I love them and everything, but it's tough. (laughs) I heard that it's kind of tough. I heard that there's a lot of screaming and kicking and messiness um, and sleepless nights. Exactly. So uh, sleep deprivation is honestly like the utmost form of torture I can... (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's ever, awful. It's awful. So um, I would like to offer any woman to, yeah, ask themselves, do I want to be a mother? Why do I want to be a mother? Like, and not only for society's sake or like the family's sake or, um, and I really want them to have this conversation with themselves and it's their bodies. And regardless of whether they have bulimia or not, this is a topic they want to think about genuinely with themselves mm-hmm. and without even having in mind the bulimia aspect. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I've talked to a lot of clients who want to have kids, but they, they always think I have to recover first. And then later down the line, we kind of discuss their actual fears about having kids. And it doesn't mean that they don't want to have kids, but their fears that need to be addressed. Um, and then I've also had a client who like you, she was pregnant while working together. She, she recovered while being also pregnant and gave birth to a baby and then moved forward with it. So it's like, it is all possible together. Um, I kind of wanted to ask you about what it's like if you already have children, what were some of the common things you used to think about what what were some of the things you used to think as a parent while struggling with bulimia? What were your fears with your kids? Um, I was, first of all, I was judging myself a lot. Uh, in the beginning, I would never tell them that I was binging and purging because I was so, so ashamed. Uh, my husband knew, but not my kids, uh, when they were little. And then after they found out because, um, at some point they find out. Um, and, um, I was afraid they would be like me. And I was like, I don't want them to suffer just like me and to be like me. I don't want them to have maybe it's because we don't know exactly where it's coming from. It's a bit genetic, a bit from the environment, maybe epigenetic, maybe, you know, it's a lot of things. Actually, Mm -hmm. no one knows really. So it's when we don't know, we say, okay, it's a little bit of everything. And I was like... (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's true. Science doesn't tell us exactly where it's coming from. So in the beginning, they would say it's from your mother, then it's from your family, then it's like from the genetics, then maybe Mm -hmm. it's diet culture. It's a mix of all of this, but uh, we don't know for sure from what it's coming from. And when you're a human and when you're a mom, anything that happens, like anything bad that happens to a kid, your kid, your children, you're like, it's from me. Right, so, you immediately blame yourself. <laughs> yeah. Take it all on. Exactly. And and so I was guilting myself a lot for that. And then um, um, when I when I realized when I became kind of wiser and I realized I did my best to combat bulimia, but nothing was working with me. I realized that um, it was not my fault. And that the best I could do was not to fight against myself and to bully myself all the time, but to show the kids that no matter what happens to you in life, whether it's a mental illness, whether it's anything, you could always try to, you know, be gentle with yourself and to try to your best. So I was not afraid anymore of what could happen to me or to them. I was like, 
um, this is, I'm going to show you what's possible no matter what happens to you in life. And I believe that's a nicer and bigger gift than even being like, you know, in the healthiest um, possible way, um, you know, yeah. regarding everything. Yeah, I agree. I think so many of us want to portray this perfect image. Even if you're not a mom, you want to portray this image of I can do everything. I am perfect. And really, it's much more relatable and much greater of a story to say, look, I am struggling with these things, but here's how you can overcome these things. And challenges are normal, and you're going to experience those in life. And here's how you do that. And it's because you translate that to bulimia motherhood for mothers listening out there, even if you're struggling with bulimia right now, you can be an example to your kids of what's possible and show them that, Hey, even though you're struggling with these things, that's normal. That's part of life. And here's how you persevere. Yeah. And also, you know, um, in the beginning, I was really afraid to talk to them about what was going on. So I did not tell them like um, all at once what was happening. Uh, in the beginning, I told them I was sick. And progressively, I explained to them what bulimia was. Um, and um, when I was able to tell them the truth and what was going on on my mind and why I was doing this and how, why I was losing control over food sometimes and all the things, um, they, I also offered them the possibility to do the same in their lives for different, you know, areas, topics, or problems. It was like, nothing is really so shameful that you cannot talk about it. It's mm -hmm. like, even if you don't feel good, you can always explain and, and be like, okay, I'm with the people I love. I believe I'm safe with them. So I trust them. I'm going to share this because this is important. And I wanted them to know that it was not their fault. It was not mine either. I don't know why it's happening, but you know, the, what I can do is to explain to them so they don't guilt themselves because um, kids often guilt themselves when they don't understand what's going mm. on, why a parent is being distant. They when they don't find a reason and they 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 see that something is not normal, they're like, okay, so I'm the problem. And I didn't want them to think that they were the problem. So I told them, listen, sometimes I'm behaving weird. I'm being agitated or very, you know, like impulsive and it's not of your fault, but I, it's my way, like, um, it's the way I have found to cope with my emotions in these moments. I'm trying to do better, but for now I haven't found a way. And after, you know, like I found the way because I, you know, um, reversed all that. But mm -hmm. at the time um, it didn't happen like very fast. So they, they got used to it. And um, I would so also like you yeah. just to interrupt real quick what you're saying of telling them, Hey, here's what's going on. You're not leaving them in the dark. And you're right that kids blame themselves. And I think adults, we all do that thing where we notice something's wrong. And instead of thinking of all the other possible reasons why something could be going wrong, we think 
it's me. The reason that person's being distant, it's me. And it's not, it's not, maybe it, sometimes it is, but oftentimes it has nothing to do with you, has everything to do with them. And the fact that you explain that to your kids, first of all, how brave of you to do that and how smart of you to do that, just like explaining a divorce to kids or something, it's important to let them know what's going on and helping them understand it's not you. And then helping them go through the process of and recognizing when you're going through those behaviors and not blaming themselves. I just think that's fantastic. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, yeah, I was, I was um, uh, also willing to share that they actually, they have been their teenagers now. So they have faced, I don't know if it was a different time and that makes me feel really old when I'm, I'm saying that, but <laughs> when I was a teenager, I don't believe people were talking so like openly about self-harming and bulimia and eating disorders. And now my kids relate to me. They tell me like what's going on at school and especially my son. See, it's not even the girls. Um, My son is telling me that he has like some friends at school. They self-harm themselves. They have uh, bulimia. Mm -hmm. They, and so like, he uh, he told me, Mom, what can I do? And he told me, I know you're good with this. And I was like, but Aww. I'm not. He- <laughs> yeah. And 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 it was like, OK, so I, I told him, listen, I, I don't know these people. The only thing I can tell you is to <laughs> tell them to go and seek for, you know, um, medical guidance to go and see probably a therapist because they're still, um, you know, they're teenagers, they're not even adults. So, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I give, I gave him some tips so they wouldn't harm themselves and be gentle with themselves and it helped. So, and these kids would hide that from their parents. I'm not blaming the parents, but I'm saying mm-hmm. When you're not able to speak at home and it's shameful, you know, it's both ways. When the parents don't speak, the kids don't speak. So, you know. Exactly. When you're not willing to share vulnerably with people, which I am guilty of all the time, and I always have to push myself to do, it then, like, if you aren't willing to share, the person isn't going to be willing to share with you, especially mm-hmm. with households and parents. Um the kid isn't going to share those things. If they know that you're not comfortable with it, why why would they share with you? So I think the fact that your child, your son in particular, was able to share with you about these the self-harm and bulimia and things like that and feel comfortable with you was probably because you were willing to be comfortable talking about your own struggles with him. That's so cool. Yeah. And also I didn't, I mean, that's concerning. So I was not like, okay, it's cool. I was like, oh, really? Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my God. But I didn't tell him, I, but I didn't freak out when he talked to me about it. I was like, you know, you know, it happens. They, these kids didn't choose, you know, it's not their mm-hmm. fault. Now maybe they could get some help. And I told him, please tell them not to go into restriction. It's not going to help. And what I've heard but I'm not, you know, I cannot, I, I'm not in their house. I'm not with them. Is that the parents 
tell a lot at home that it's nice to be thin and to go into a diet and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so the kids, you know, you know, they catch all these messages and they believe it's for them. And sometimes it's for them. And then, you know, they misuse it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, can you speak a bit more about that? Because obviously you're struggling for bulimia for a while while being a mom. It wasn't like when they were five, you were bulimic and then you recovered. Mm -hmm. So can you talk about how, of course you weren't a perfect parent. No, no one is, but how you addressed food with them, even while you were struggling with bulimia. Um, all right. So, um, big question. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm trying to kind of, uh, structure it and remember how I was because I have had, can you imagine for like 23 years I've had, I've I've had so many phases. Mm -hmm. Um, in the beginning, I believe, um, I was not even aware that I was a bit controlling um probably um i was i was i was i believe yeah i believe i was not really controlling uh with them and uh, i thought i wasn't and then i realized that i was a little bit because i was making some remarks sometimes when they were eating some things not all the time but sometimes and enough uh, so that my son told me, okay, mom, you're always telling me this and that. And I was like, oh mm. my God, I'm doing just like my parents did. And that's awful and whatever. And I realized that I, for a bit, I could not stop from saying those things. And I felt real bad. So I told my son, um, see, I did not even do it with my daughter. I did it with like <laughs> the kids and mm-hmm. I, I, um, I, I apologized. I told him, listen, I'm really sorry. I've been raised like this and I've suffered from it, but apparently I've internalized so much of this message that I'm repeating, uh, unconsciously. And I apologize. I'm not going to say this ever again because I don't mean it. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to harm you with this. And I don't want you to be in, you know, any kind of diet or be different from what you are. So mm-hmm. then what I a paid a way to handle that. That's a great apology <laughs> from a parent. Yeah, but I meant it. I felt so bad. Um, yeah. I just like, I know, uh, there's a little lawn work going on outside. So hopefully you can hear that. But I remember if I got an apology like that from my parents, wow, like how amazing would that have been? So the fact that you gave them that sort of apology um, and just, again, I think the whole moral of the story here of what you've been saying is just notice where they're coming from. Stop judging yourself for it. Admit to what you're doing and then apologize and move forward. And that's the best you can do. Like you can't, you can't be perfect. Even if you read all the books, you know, about all the things that are good, you're still going to mess up somewhere. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Before having kids, I was like, I will never tell my kids any of the things I've heard myself. It was so mean. And mm-hmm. I I did it. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah. oblivious. You don't even know when you're doing all the things. So when I, but when, when he told me, I was not like, no, 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 you're too sensitive. I, I wasn't like that. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same. 
And that's where I was like, uh, okay, so I messed up. And um, yeah, I, I believe I liked a lot of communication in my family. So it's something I'm really um, passionate about and I'm really uh, willing to share. And um, I believe saying the things and saying I'm wrong and I'm sorry when you really mean it is so important because you can truly be wrong and and move forward and so you forgive yourself it's not so much about what people are going to forgive you it's that you forgive yourself for what you've done and that's really important absolutely yeah um got 100% agree with that so to wrap up the podcast I always like to ask people about advice they would give to the audience but for you it's a bit more specific I would ask what would you say to a mother out there or a parent of any kind who's struggling with bulimia and they just feel terrible about it? What would you say to them? All right. So, um, so first of all, I would repeat what we have said in yeah. the past podcast. Just listen and, to this podcast. Say another one. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's what you say um, all the time. And it's also what I repeat. Never give up on yourself, meaning no matter how long you have been struggling with bulimia, never give up on yourself. Keep fighting. I say that uh, right. at the end of every podcast of mine. That's funny. We say the same thing. <laughs> But it's true. See, mm-hmm. when if people like, because no, that's, it's something important. Why? Uh, it's not just to say, okay, never give up, you know, like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's. It has I true really, meaning behind it for sure. It, there, there is a true meaning behind it. I'm not joking. I've been fighting for 23 years. It means I'm going like in all kinds of stages and situations and mindsets. And every time I was like, I'm doing this, it's going to work. Then it wasn't working. Then I was like, fuck, I'm not doing this anymore. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I'm not doing anything anymore. You know, like let's, let's leave it like that. And then, and I never gave up and I, I see so many, um, Unfortunately, so many examples on social media uh, where you can read or hear stories of like quick recoveries, but what you don't see in these recoveries, not that I'm saying it's not true, probably these people have really recovered. First of all, you don't know for how long. If they have just recovered, you don't know how long it's going to last, first of all. Second, you don't know how long these people have been fighting with the illness. So don't compare your journey to someone else's journey. You know, I always like to say, I would, you like fitness? I also do like it. I mean, Mm -hmm. lifting weights. I always compare that to, um, you know, when you're looking at um, any fitness model or whatever, any any woman that's lifting weights, there's the genetic parts is playing a big role. So some of them are going to like lift only twice a week and eat whatever shit and they're going to look amazing. And I'm going to, yeah. And I'm going to make all the things, you know, to build some great muscle and it's going to take the crap out of me (laughs) to get Mm -hmm. it. And so what I mean by that, it's not, what you see is like, yeah, it's unfair. Okay, it's unfair. Just you know it. What mm-hmm. you see 
is not what's happening in real life. These people, same way you're seeing people like training twice a week and having good genetics. Um, and sometimes they, they're not even doing the trainings they're showing on social media. They're doing something totally different in real life. So mm-hmm. don't believe all you read. Like th- that sounds like too attractive, quick fixes, like too easy. Because mm-hmm. people then they're like, okay, I've been trying for a month. It didn't work. And I'm like, I've been trying for 23 years before it right. did. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was talking with a client about this today. And she was saying how she watched back one of our first coaching sessions. She likes to record them to watch back. And she was talking mm-hmm. about how it, during that time, I thought it was taking me so long to recover. And really in the span of a few months, I made significant progress. That's really fast. And I'm like, yeah, especially for struggling for 10 years, and it's something about how you phrased it. It almost made me think to, to when people think of, well, when did you start your recovery and how long did your recovery, quote unquote, take? And it's like, actually, when you start bulimia is when you should also consider yourself starting recovery. Like that amount of struggling, the, the years you spend struggling are also part of your recovery journey. I didn't struggle for as long as you, but I struggled for four years with bulimia. And then before that, like four more years of extreme disordered eating. Mm-hmm. So it's like all of that was part of my journey and my story sounds so clean and simple, but they are forgetting everything happened before, just like yours as well. Exactly. You know, I have like an anecdote from Picasso. I know you're an artist, so you're going to like it. So yeah. once he was in the South of France and he like, um, he drew something on a sheet of paper on a table and a customer for the, from the restaurant. So, so it, and she was like, can you give it to me? He said, no, um, I could sell it to you for like, it was a huge amount of money. And she said, but you did it in five minutes. He told her, no, it took me 20 years like oh that's smart yeah yeah and it's the whole thing same for me people tell me okay what's the trick what happened like after 23 years I was like there's no trick (laughs) (laughs) years of compounding knowledge finally came together to potentially have me one moment where I got it but it really is like tons of stuff Exactly. And that's what you do also. And that's why it's individualized and you cannot give this magic formula to someone coming and be like, okay, you do one, two, three, four, and then you're done. No. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why, you know, so it's the same. It's the same. So don't like, don't be fooled by what you see from the outside. And that's why I say, just like you don't give up on yourself, but we really mean it. It's not just, mm-hmm. you know, to <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> never giving sparkles. up on yourself is really like the the core of a lot of my messages as well, because that is what you what it takes to recover is to not give up. Because when you give up, that's when you actually fail, when you completely give up on it. Um, and then sometimes there's many times where I've given up and then I've still come back, you know. So <laughs> even then, like you can always come back from it. But thank you. I think this is a really valuable discussion. And I love that we just kind of, there'll be an intro at the beginning of this, but we just kind of threw you in there. But what you started out saying and this whole discussion about motherhood and bulimia was more than I could have hoped for. And I hope that a lot of mothers, I'm sure a lot of mothers out there probably were in tears after this episode from some of the things that you said, because I know they feel a deep sense of shame and they really shouldn't. And it's part of life. Bulimia is sometimes part of life and accepting that is important. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and also, we never know when we may recover. Sometimes it's going to take a little bit. Sometimes it's going to take more. So don't stop, you know, don't wait until you recover before you start living, right? Yeah. So, Eva, where can people find you? Uh, on Instagram, um, I have so an account, reverse underscore bulimia underscore with underscore Eva. And website is coming, but it's not there yet. So uh, Instagram is great for now. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, I'm sure people will come to see you. Also, you did an interview recently on the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. Yeah. So check out that interview as well. And then Eva was also on my podcast, I think in like earlier this year, was it last year already? No, it was at the beginning of the year. I don't remember exactly, probably January or February. I don't remember exactly, but the beginning of the year. And yeah. if you if you don't know which one, just listen to all of them. So you make sure. <laughs> Thank you. you yes, just listen to all of them. So you, you don't know for sure. Yeah, no, she was, you were on my podcast for sure. But yeah, okay, so everyone out there listening, thank you. Um, and thank you, Eva, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me.